You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first episode of the second year of Peer Pleasure Podcast. I am your host, Dewey, your host with the most, and we're coming at you still on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. So glad to be back and for another year in your ear. And uh, this week we have a pretty awesome guest, Mr. Brendan Canty from Fugazi. Now, Fugazi is one of the most influential bands of all time. I don't think anyone would argue that. I, I I was telling Brendan that if I had a nickel for every time a guest told me their biggest influence was Fugazi, it'd be insane. Anyway, uh, so we're really excited to have Brendan on the show. We're really excited to have you guys back for another year. It's not like we took a break or anything. We took, what, six days off in between. <laughs> we haven't missed an episode yet. So really appreciate having you guys with us uh, You know, week after week, and we really try hard to bring you the best content we can. Uh, both on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. We've got a lot of awesome stuff coming up this year, but starting it off, like I said, Brendan Canty from Fugazi, and he's done so many things since then. He's been in multiple bands. He's doing film. He's doing score work. He's doing all sorts of stuff, which we talk about in the episode, so I'm not going to get too far into that because I, I want you guys to hear it. So, And I'm going to keep this brief because I want uh, as much on Adobe as I can, and then the rest uh, uncut will be on iTunes just as usual. So I want to talk a quick minute about the Patreon. So we did launch the Peer Pleasure uh, Patreon, the Pleasure Seekers Club, which is at patreon.com slash Podcast. Definitely go check that out. Get yourself involved. Get in the get in the game, if you will. You know, even if it's a couple dollars a month, um, you know, everything helps. But if you want to do a little more and get some premium content and some merchandise and everything else, we're going to be doing that soon. And, uh, you know, we look forward to having you on. And, and as usual, you know, just thanks for listening and, and making the numbers so great and, and uh, keeping us keeping us afloat. So uh, we are on PeerPleasurePodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. And definitely check us out on the socials, Facebook, everything. Everywhere podcasts are available, we are. We're all over the place. So spread the word. Tell a friend. We really appreciate it. And uh, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Brendan Canty from Fugazi.
Brendan Canty, uh, welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Awesome. Early early morning chats are my <laughs> specialty. Awesome. Yeah, I'm on the West Coast, so 6 a.m. my time, and I'm, I've been up for two hours already, so I mean, I love getting these done in the morning. It's very rare with musicians. You know, it's usually an afternoon or an evening, but uh, I, I know you're a family man now, and, and uh, you know, you're up with the sun, so. Yeah, yeah, there's a brick wall at 7 o'clock usually. <laughs> Today I got to sleep in a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I have ended up with uh, four kids. And, four kids. Uh, one, they're all just, there's the first two are entering, well, one's in college down in Texas, down at University of Texas, studying film, and then, they, and then I got a senior, so we're, you know, he's going to be splitting soon, too. So the house is getting bigger on a daily basis. <laughs> well, that's good or bad, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But uh, So studying film, is that through uh, influence through you as far as what you're doing now with film and, and composing and everything? Um, it, mm, I don't know how much it influenced. We, we, we have a lot to talk about, so that's cool. Yeah. I mean, he's, at this point, far more educated on the history of film than I have ever been. So sure. He... he you know, we we have those talks, and we you know he'll find something on Filmstruck. We we share a passion for the website Filmstruck, so we just go through the Criterion Collection and throw throw uh, films at each other. Um, so that's that's great. And he he, but no, I mean he's I, I, he started making films on his own um, of and personal films. You know, with all of his friends, he has this really great. Uh, eclectic group of friends and they they all got together and he would write scripts and make films with them so he 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 took it in a different direction everything i've ever done is like purely for the sake of documenting documenting you know mm -hmm. music and and people um and then the, I, for me that just comes like like directly out of you know recording my bands and making, you know, and, and just documenting things that were happening, um, in the music scene. So he, he's gone in a totally different way. He's a super like, you know, written narrative kind of person. Okay. He's much far smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the goal, right? <laughs> exactly. We want him to take the ball and run with it a little further than we did. And, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and having a dad that's, you know, super creative and, and, uh, you know, had such an impact on, in a lot of ways, but also, you know, having someone to bounce ideas off of and having, I mean, I, uh, me and my dad get along well with music and, but it's also interesting when you, you have your dad as, you know, someone you can actually in your career that you're going down, actually bounce ideas off of and have it be more relevant than, Oh yeah, that was great, son. You can critique things in different ways and you've been through the ringer with that. And, and that's a unique situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. You know, I it, it, it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I wish I'm. I wish my dad was around. I could ask him. You know, now now that I'm old enough to to, to actually have shit to ask him, I'm, I wish I wish you were around. Um, but um, yeah, it's funny. I I actually tried to um, uh, like tried to help him on one of his films. I tried to work with him on one. You know, and do it like you know because I do a lot of audio mixing as well you know uh, not just for my own stuff but i i do i compose for other you know filmmakers and then i also mix whole films um and they uh 
And so I tried to do that with one of his films, and he was <laughs> such a dick. <laughs> he, he immediately turned into like that asshole director who oh, likes like yes. every little quirky, shitty thing about his his bad audio. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know what? Fuck you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go ahead. <laughs> Five, Five minutes out, into man. the interview, Brendan calls his son a dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a new one. But, man. You know, he's like, you know, he, he knew what he wanted, which is what every director does. You know, every every. Every real director knows exactly what he loves about what he's doing, and he doesn't let some jackass audio technician take it away from him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, have you always been into to documenting things? Like I know, uh, speaking with Ian, he's, I mean, he's curating everything and doing the live series and everything, but I mean, have you always been that way as far as, you know, whether it's journaling or just, you know, taking notes and, and, uh, you know, throughout your career, have you, have you always been that way? Or is that something you found a passion for later? No, it was always that day one, I would be like, um, using all, you know, we had, um, just like boom boxes and stuff like that around the house that would, um, that could record. So I, I, you know, and I figured out how to, I went down to, we had a radio shack two blocks from our house. So I'd go down to radio shack and I'd buy adapters and all this shit when I was like, when I was, you know, I guess I was, I guess I was, I want to say like 12 or so. Okay. And I was, I'd buy like adapters and I'd start bouncing between these two boom boxes that we had. And I figured out that you could actually multi-track. <laughs> and then they were, you know, as, and then as, uh, um, you know, as I met, you know, and recorded more and started playing more music and, uh, you know, like with D and everything, you know, more like 15 and stuff. We would, we would do, uh, 15 and 16. We, we would do like all sorts of, uh, joke tapes all the time, uh-huh. you know, and we had a band called the Blacklight Panthers and we, we would bounce between the, bounce between them and, um, come up with some really, now they just sound like genius, but back then they sounded insane. <laughs> they but they were uh but anyway so yeah so i would i love that aspect of it i love like wiring shit i love technical stuff i like um you know and recording in general back then i found it totally fascinating and then i got you know once i got a four track it was like we were off to the races and i taped like a ton of live shows uh-huh. you know um um uh, and and also you know one of my best friends eli janney who's now on um uh, Seth Meyer show. He's the keyboardist on the Seth Meyer show, but he was in Girls Against Boys, and um, he was super into it too. And so he, um, yeah, he would do. He would do. You know, we would always be making radio shows and joke bands and recording. And so you know, Gee, Mike Hampton, all these people who are like in these serious like bands or whatever. I don't know. At the time, they weren't like serious bands, but they were. There were bands that we yeah. took seriously. Um, but we would all just record and make all these joke joke bands. And eventually we got like a reel-to-reel player and all that. But yeah, I mean, and as far as like 
like in Fugazi, I had the little, I was like, would bring my four track over and like set up the mics on everybody's amp and sit next to me. I have the thing next to me so that I could actually record when something happened that I, that we liked, you know, uh-huh. like I was, I was always like, I, you know, just, uh, I just couldn't imagine not doing that, you know, and like letting moments kind of go into the ether. Yeah. You know, that drives me fucking nuts when people get together and they do something really brilliant, and nobody do- documents it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's 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 weirdly like anal and stuff. And I'm super not that way, but um, in general. But in terms of like you know, I think I feel like I I, I feel like I wound up in a you know in a amongst a good creative group of people, I and mean, whether that was because we're all straight edge or whatever. You know, we had, you know, but we were, what we were doing for fun was making music and making, making bands, making joke bands, making, you know, and so that, I mean, that, that was a very creative, exciting time and place to grow up, you know, um, but there, there's, yeah, anyway, so, um, but it's also, there's that. There's the documenting aspect, but then there's also the things that I actually really enjoy. It. I really love recording in uh-huh. general. Yeah. I do it every day now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, I, yeah. that's kind of like the the uh, the Beatles released some stuff like that, where it was like all just the the daily just running recordings, like hours and oh. hours and hours. I mean, you still yeah. have all well, that, that stuff. Um, we only have that. No, I didn't. I would not just record for hours and hours and hours. Okay, I got you. I, I mean, we do have tapes like that, like for I think in on the Kill Taker or something like that. Mm-hmm. Jim Co- Cohen was in there and he was filming us a lot, and so he ran a tape for hours and hours and hours. So somewhere there is like, you know, whatever twenty hours of us hanging out in the studio to make you know cracking jokes. So, um, I. Haven't made it through much of it, but some of it's pretty funny. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but the uh, no, most of the time I would have you know, I would record, you know, when something struck me. Okay, more you know, like I'd have everything set up live, mm-hmm. you know, with mics on, and then we'd be practicing. Um, and as a drummer, you know, you don't get a lot of you don't get a a lot of chance to influence things as much as you'd want, you know, so. Yeah. Part of my process was was that was if we were all jamming on something and I, it struck me, I would press play and record on my four track, and then later on you come back to it and you mix it down and make it sound good, and you're like, "Hey, this is an idea we had yesterday at, or a week ago at two p.m." At, and everybody's like, "Huh, that's weird. I don't remember that at all." And then you then you. Uh, you know, and then you can isolate everybody's track and say, oh, you were playing this, and you were playing this, and you were playing this. And, yeah, it's really, really helpful to be able to come up with ideas, especially, you know, coming up with a record, at least a Fugazi record, was a complicated affair. Yeah. So you had to, you know, they had, there were like a million different parts. So that was just one way to to get them to, to, to kind of like mine Something that was already there, something like low hanging fruit, things that we were already coming up with, you know, yeah. like in our that were in our comfort zone. Um, and then, 
Yeah, and then otherwise, like the only way, other way I would like influence is like I felt like I had to, I would have to go home and like write something, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> like I come in like with a cool part. Like not everybody had to do that because they were they had guitars in their hands, you know. Yeah. But I was, I would go home and try to write something and bring it in for for you know the next day's practice, just a, something to monkey with. Yeah, and so you wrote you you I mean as a multi instrumentalist you wrote a lot of stuff for Fugazi, didn't you? On, on, I mean, yeah, beyond I mean, drums. Yeah, we all. Yeah, we all did. I mean, as a, I mean, I don't. I, I would never say that I wrote more than anybody else at all. Sure. But but I would constantly bring in like um, because I felt like if I didn't like I wasn't contributing mm-hmm. at all. Like I'd just be sitting there. <laughs> Playing, playing, you know, playing drums, and also there's times in a band practice. Like anybody who has had a band knows, there are days when you show up and you're supposed to be writing, and it's like torture. Yeah, you know, if you don't if you don't have something to work on, and you know you're just like treading water for an hour and a half or two, it's like to me like a nightmare. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm gonna, you know, I'll go ahead and you know, at least have this in my back pocket if we, you know, run through some ideas and everybody's just staring at each other. Let's let's try you know, let's here's here's let's try this. And it would be oftentimes like, you know, something that I set up you know, something I recorded on the four track or eventually the eight track at home and eventually Pro Tools at home. But the that was like um a far too complicated idea is what generally speaking I would make something that are too busy and complicated like it would have like 20 parts to it and then it would go then i bring it in and 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 they'd go they'd go well why don't you know and then they then they would like find the pieces out of it that that worked uh-huh. you know what I mean? that they that turned them on it was the way that goes in any band but they would find a little thing that is like well why don't we do this you know, we repeat this, and then it transitions. You know, then we can, do, and then we just start doing what we do is like just arranging things. So that's what we did. That's what we spent a lot of time doing is just like putzing around and throwing. You know, naming. I mean, you you've been in a band, but you name, you make a part you love. It's just a part. Yep. Name it, and you put put the put that name up on the wall. Yeah, working title. <laughs> title some of them make it to the to the record and some of them don't but you you know then you just kind of like put pieces together until so you actually have a, a song that, that everybody shrugs and goes oh, well, i guess that's pretty good yeah uh, so anyways that, that was that was part that's pretty much my contribution was always like um you know bringing in these, you know, because basically my process at home was like I'd make I'd make like a drone of some sort, and then just start playing around with these, this, the, with the um, relating to a, to a drone. So they mm-hmm. they 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 just you know they end up being like kind of way more complex and like I say busy. So yeah, and and uh, and, and eventually you know like like D I remember D once he was like. He's like, you know, I have to sing over this stuff. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. Oh yeah, I totally forgot. Like one thing Fugazi forgot to do, like ninety percent of the time, is write with vocals in mind. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It was like they would just, it would just end up being like really, 
way too much shit. And then, then he's like, I had to put a vocal on this. And so then it was happy it reworked again. <laughs> so, so you basically anyway. laid out a buffet and they could pick what they wanted from it and, and then take it kind of, kind of thing where you just laid out so much material. And that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, but that, that would happen. That would, ha- yeah, but yeah, that does the two different processes. Yeah, that was, that was, I would bring in like a really gunky, like complicated, <laughs> proggy kind of uh-huh. thing, <laughs> <laughs> and they would pull it out and make them into songs, basically, you know, or make, make take bits of it, and make them into songs. But then eventually, once even once, what I'm saying is like even a, it's like a problem even with the whole band because we would then take like make these songs that were became incredibly complicated, anyways, because we were just writing them as instrumentals. I mean, for the most part, we would write them as instrumentals. And they would become these really com- complex affairs. And then at that point, when Guy was meant to put vocals on it, he's like, or Ian too. Ian was like that. He's like, you know, I can't. Uh, he's like, we got to build some room in these back into these songs. And so then we would have to actually like space them out and have, uh, you sure. know. Anyway, <laughs> you know, you've been there. Yeah, of course. And but my question on that is. Did you, I mean, noodling around with more proggy stuff and, and just, you know, being overall creative, did you write anything and bring it to practice that had effects on it or anything else? I know you guys didn't use, it was basically like guitars plugged straight in amps. Like, did you yeah. did you write things with pedals or effects at all that you brought in, you know, to either try yeah. to put in? Okay, how did that go? Oh, that it tried to put in? Or, or, or like, like, you know... Um, you know, I really want some delay on this. I really want some of this, you know, that's not created by, you know, using using your hands on the actual instrument. Was that ever brought yeah. up to where, hey, let's try this, and it never happened? Well, he, I think, uh, well, I guess he, in the band, all he ever used was distortion. That's true. Yeah. But now he, he uses tons of shit now. Um, so, I don't know. You know, I think there's... Uh, I. Mm, the only time that uh, no, it never really happened in that that the that the weirdo recording kind of made its way into the band. Except for there were a couple times when I used another like, like a drum machine uh-huh. and stuff, and that and um, uh, and and that's when we started like bringing in a second drummer. When Jerry Busher started playing with us live, he was our roadie, and we would set him up for a couple songs, and it was uh, and that. That kind of worked its way in, but no, in terms of like guitar effects and something like that, you know, it's funny. It's like in the in, as far as this in the studio, we would do all sorts of shit, but mm-hmm. like mostly it was like mostly it was kind of pretty much. Um, you're right. I you know I'd never thought of that. Like, why didn't we get a reverb pedal or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something Ian and I talked about first off because I I said you know. It seems like everything that you do, you put some kind of a limitation on at the beginning. Like, I'm not going to do this. We're only going to do this. And I, I kind of asked him about, if does he do that for the, the challenge? Or is it something, you know, like, and he said, you know, which I've heard before, I like to, you know, paint myself into a corner and work my way out. You know, um, that's where I where I was going with that because, I I, I mean... I always admired that too. Looking at it as as being a project that I mean, it was just everything there was made by instruments. There's not a bunch of, you know, tricks going on. Um, 
but you know that's that's one thing that that I was curious on because you know well, being other writers, there was a strong bias against bullshit back then. Yeah. I mean, you you have to remember, like if you put too much reverb on a vocal, people would call you out on it. In a, now it's like that's all you hear. It's mm-hmm. like shit ton of reverb on everything. Yeah. Um, but back then it connoted like you know just straight up bullshit, and everybody would be like. Oh, that's so, che- you know, and the, like the worst thing you could do is be cheesy, you know, yeah. which totally makes sense. <laughs> do you remember when people had taste? Yeah. Uh, no, no. <laughs> it was definitely <laughs> so a different taste. time. It was diff- It was so different, right? Yeah. So there was the, uh, and, and the other thing is like being in a band that you take seriously is, uh, you know, it's a magical thing, honestly. Like, if you take, if you can, if you have a group of guys that has its, like, own internal, like, um, like, uh, aesthetic, you know, mm-hmm. that, and not, not like we have a, not, not so much that we have a unified aesthetic, but you have an aesthetic that, like, each individual has their, brings their, their own circle to it. And and the Venn diagram is big enough that you can actually create, you know, that the space between us all, is um is enough that you can actually create a a, a, a music uh-huh. <laughs> for the long term. It's uh you know that that's a magical thing. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. Okay, me. no problem. Uh, let me just move this. Uh, it's my my partner Christoph going trying to get through it. Sorry, I should have put this. There should be a way to block calls from coming in when you're doing a podcast. <laughs> There should be a podcast, doing a podcast button. Like, yeah, airplane mode and podcast mode. <laughs> it makes sense, you know, because they already yeah, doing that shit. Right? <laughs> there, there has to be one, but it's not called podcast. I'm sure it's called something more. But anyways, um, anyways, so, so there's, I think there's, there's just, um, like, it, I don't, I don't like look at it. I mean, I never looked at the, I never looked at the, uh, I, you know, this is like the first time I ever thought in my life, oh my God, we're really, we we set this limitation on what we could have done by not allowing pedals into the band, you know? Yeah. Like there was, <laughs> like I think things like forest pedals and all that, you know, and reverb and stuff like that, that was reserved for like, uh, you know, like at that time, uh, the music we were making is somewhat reactive uh, to the larger, you know, Simple Minds, Big Country, like all the big stuff that was happening. Mm-hmm. Was ha- there were that was all guitar music, right? It was all guitar music. It was all like, you know, and it had tons of reverb and chorus and all that stuff. And I just don't think that. I think just try, I'm really trying to piece it together, but I think that. Like, we weren't that, you know? Yeah. I mean, we were a lot of things, but we weren't that. I mean, we, I, you know, not that I just liked that stuff, not that I loved Simple Minds, but I was like, so not what we were doing. And it's so not, um, like, when you're, when you take yourself seriously as a band, you know, you, one thing you're like, one thing you do is you reject a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you realize the landscape you're playing music in. You realize that there are people out there like you who are, who are also making music and taking it seriously, 
and there's some people that you super respect for the way that they do it and 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 there's certain people that you reject completely not because they do it poorly but because they there's like no way that's who you are like there's just no way you can be simple minds or <laughs> dismissed or whoever sure. whoever it is is happening at the time and this is not a knock on them at all but it's just not who you are mm-hmm. you know yeah and so so like that to me is like uh knowing knowing that about yourself and and constantly i mean that's one thing i actually it is interesting because when you when you're when you're in a band you do end up spending a lot of time rejecting things yeah you know mm-hmm. um and then and it you know at some point you know, I realized about like t- ten years ago or so. I mean, I was playing in bands, but I wasn't like taking it like I wasn't like deep in it or anything like that. Yeah. So I was much more like a fan again of like I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. I kind of like that. Have you heard blah blah blah? <laughs> <laughs> you know, suddenly, suddenly, suddenly the uh, the sort of like loose, you know. Uh, just following bands that just show up on your radar as some weirdo band that's on tour, you know, and suddenly you're like, Oh, you know, and it's, it's the, you know, it's just much more, a much, much more lightness about yourself or myself. There was, there was a much more light, much more lightness about myself, uh, you know, um, in regards to how much, um, music. Now, having said that, I don't, it's not like I wasn't making my life, you know, to, to like follow these bands. I wasn't, but it was, uh, it was definitely a change, you know? Yeah. Well, well, what was it like going through? I mean, uh, you know, rolling down the road with this band that was, you know, gaining momentum. Um, you know, there's a whole movement around a song from a previous band that's now following like, you know, to this day, like looking back at it now, you see the influence and 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 how far it really reached. But at the time, were you seeing, were you seeing these things happen? Were you did you guys know you had something special? I mean, did, was it something that uh, then maybe turned and said there was more pressure towards the end? Like, okay, we have to you know keep this in mind, or was it something that just stayed true? you know, kind of put the blinders on to the success part of it to where there wasn't any pressure. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th. Featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. EagleVision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on EagleVision Records, you're always going to find something you like at EagleVision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and B-Well's new 7-inch now.
What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. PeerPleasure.SupportingCast.FM is the website. There's three tiers, Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3. Tier 1 is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier 2 gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier 3 is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. 
So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Um, well, it, I mean, I never felt like, I mean, I never personally felt like we arrived where we, to where we were going, you know? I mean, we were always kind of halfway up the hill uh-huh. as what well, for the whole life of the band, to be honest with you. I mean, I've, I mean, now it's easy to say, oh, we had, you know, the world was our oyster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hindsight, yes. In hindsight, yeah, and it was. I mean, there was we 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 were doing everything we wanted to do in the way we wanted to do it, and we were, you know, you know, very much, you know, respectful and in love with each other, and we, you know, the process we had our we had a nice, you know, a lovely routine worked out so that we could practice three days a week, you know, for four hours at a time, mm-hmm. and. um you know, everything, and, and we would go on the road, and it was very easy to, you know, people would show up, which is huge. Yeah. But, 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 you know, I, but it, I don't know. I think, like, part of it, I'm sure Ian said this, but, like, part of our process was who we are is, like, the humility aspect of it is tantamount to keeping your sanity. You know, you, mm-hmm. ha- you have to be able to say, like, you know, that. That show sucked, or or like, you know, or like, you know. I mean, there was only like, like I think our standards were high enough that it was like we were not always, um, we were not like patting ourselves on the back like every two seconds. Yeah, Uh, we like every you know we said we we said we 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 said okay well every time we play in dc we have to have a new song and so we always had to be working to make a new song and we always had to be working in general like to make records and to write and all that business and that's like to be honest like that's like when i think about the things that made us who we are i mean i think that that the, the it all kind of channels through the music and that we were like you know we were judging ourselves on whether or not we came up with some, because we were all developing like musicians. It was like, you, you gauge, you know, you gauge yourself, you judge yourself on the quality of the thing that you're producing, mm-hmm. you know, musically. And so that, that process usually happened when you're writing and recording or mostly writing, mm-hmm. like you're writing and you get somewhere with something, man, you came home and you were like, you write a song and I'm sure you've been through this too. He's like, you, if your job is to do, to write songs, like doing that well makes your day. And if, and doing it poorly ruins your day. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, when you come up with, when you don't produce something or you don't do anything, you just, you just, you know, you, you're, you're, 
it's depressing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I've talked to like Eddie Better and people like that, and they say the same thing. Yeah, you know, he's like, you know, I, I, yeah, it's like if you're not doing what you do every day, you know, that's that energy gets turns in on itself and makes your life very, very ugly. So when I look back at all of this stuff, I, I think about like um, the way that I. The only way to look at it and have it make sense is to look at it through the the music itself. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what we were focused on. And then once that was done in the writing stage and you had this thing that you were super proud of and into, then you could take it out and, like, really make it make sense and make it even better on the road and deliver it on the road and uh, in, um, like, a more visceral way. Mm -hmm. And, like, that, to me... That process, and so that process is, is is what it was all about. And then you end up like, you know, this, this, every once in a while somebody says, hey, you know, there are 16,000 people here today. And I, you go, wow, we've never played in front of 16,000 people. And then spark it in front of your head, and you'd say, yeah, we, wow, we must be getting somewhat popular here in Pontiac, Michigan, you yeah. know? <laughs> Hamtramck loves us. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you, you like kind of wake up. You're like, you're like, oh, we just did, you know, three nights at uh, the Palladium. Like, wow, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so you know, those there's those there's the demarcations where you do, you know, every once in a while you do like, you know, you say, wow, shit, you know, or else you, you know, the the other thing that I really, um, when I look back on it now, like I'm super happy about is that um and i don't i'm not sure if everybody focuses on this but like we were like hell-bent on creating like the independent distribution of records too like discord and this is all stemming from discord and the relationships that ian built up with john loader and southern records over in england uh-huh. but they were but you know we had a completely independent you know manuf- manufacturing base and and distribution base. And so when Fugazi, after a while, we're selling like two or 300,000 records, it's like, you could actually like, like, um, create like, um, like an icebreaker, you know, into stores Mm -hmm. for, for other, for, for other discord records and for other labels. Like it actually really worked to kind of suck other bands along with you down this, this distribution pipe and you could get like, you know, younger, um, and, and smaller bands into stores because when they bought like, you know, when they bought like, you know, a hundred Fugazi records, they would buy, you know, branch manager records or, um, you know, other, other bands. And so that, and that created a really, um, I mean, to me, like that, I, I, I think that, that created the system that really, I mean, not that we were the only big selling band at the time, but I think just maintaining our independence, like really helped that, that distribution chain a lot. Yeah. And I mean, making, you know, it's, it's, I know it's not about money, but making the most you can off what you're doing, you're not paying, you know, you're not just getting your mechanical royalties. Like you're, you're, you know, able to have more control over everything and then make a living 
off something you created 100%. Like it's it's just seems yeah. like the way to go without the machine, you know. And and that's that's something I didn't think about on that side of it either was how I mean, influential the music was, of course, but on the the business side of things, like in, in opening up the doors like that. I mean, it really did. I mean, yeah. how many how many records has Fugazi sold at this point? Do you guys I don't know. like? I, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's somewhere upwards of four million. That's insane. That's absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah, it's a lot, and it's it's awesome. And you know, the other thing, but a, a lot of the sales have happened since the band stopped playing, you know, I mean, like, kudos, all kudos to Mackay, because he, he basically, you know, kept, he's kept all the records in print, yeah. uh, and keeps the machine going, keeps his business going, keeps, you know, he keeps it, he's managed not to kill the host, basically, like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's, you know, one thing also that would, that happens when you, when you go for a straight mechanical deal with like a major label you know you 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 run the risk at any point in time of your that that your stock is not going to be available anymore i mean Mm -hmm. now there's digital and that's a different thing but it's not really that different like if it's not if a record label is not like putting out your records and functioning you know if there's not i don't know to me it's you know it the, the whole thing would have died away along time ago out of just sheer disinterest if it was a mm-hmm. if we were on a major label but ian is very re- religious about um keeping the channel keeping the records in print and paying everybody i mean he really like twice a year we still get royalties um down to the penny That's you know fantastic no it's insane i mean i mean uh, yeah and and it really, you know, um, and they're still, you know, they still sell, the record still sells, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, God bless him because he really, um, I think he, there's, he's, he's really, I mean, not, not, not that nobody else does it, but I don't know anybody who does it like him. So, yeah. Well, that yeah. time, that whole time was unique. I think a lot of the music from that time will be timeless, especially Fugazi. And, and, you know, I don't think you're going to see a lot of that going forward. It's just so much stuff coming out. I mean, I think that time was one of the last really magical times in music where it was just seemed so real and true. And you were buying a package like you were buying when you bought the record, you were buying the, the beliefs and ethics of the band. You were buying the sounds, of course, and then you were buying like the, the general idea of what the band was. I mean, it was like you were buying stock in it, you know, versus yeah. just picking up something to, to work out to, you know? I, I, I hear you, but I, I also don't think it's the last time it's ever going to happen. I think, I think, honestly, it happens every day, and then it just doesn't happen to us. You know? I mean, yeah. I think we're older, we have kids, and you know, this like there, there kids, there's there's bands out there every day working their asses off and creating their own community, um, and and living within their own ethos and letting it be known what they're doing and and being respected by an in- increasing amount of fans. I don't think it's as easy to exist as it was because you can't sell stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. but I do think that, like, from what, what I can tell, um, you know, as Bo, as Bowie says, the kids know, you know, they're quite aware of what, 
what they're going through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they know they they have their steam. That was that. Who was it? I think Robert Hunter was the one who said that about the Grateful Dead. He goes, somebody said, "Don't you, you know, don't you wish it was still around?" He goes, "Yeah." So he said, "Hey, it's all still happening. It's just not happening to me." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, fuck yeah, that's so true, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I, I was joking the other day uh, about this, but I, I've done, you'll be episode, I think, uh, 52, like you'll be my year episode, uh, one year episode. Um, but if I was a Coke fan, like I really enjoyed Coca-Cola, there's that whole joke, Jinx, Poke, owe you a Coke. If I went through every episode almost with any band that I have interviewed and I asked them what was their biggest influence. And right after I said it, if I said Fugazi, it would be a jinx situation almost 90% of the time. It's outrageous. Like, you know, even, uh, you know, talking to, uh, Brian cook from Russian circles. I'm not sure if you've heard that band, but they, he grew up on Hawaii. I grew up in Alaska and both of us basically chimed in that, you know, Fugazi was one of the main, bands that that brought us in and and for him it was one of the few bands that actually came over to hawaii and yeah. uh for and me we too played anchorage, <laughs> we played anchorage too are you from yeah, anchorage yeah yeah uh, that yeah that's absolutely yeah oh shit. yeah dude and that's something i was i was trying to get together it was with buddies of mine was trying to get a copy of that show so when i talked to Ian, i could say hey i noticed you don't have anchorage i found it but when I said that, he's like, "Well, not till last weekend. We found it." It's <laughs> like, "God damn it! <laughs> Just take the wind out of the sails, you know." But it was you guys. It was Pantera, Ozzy, White Zombie, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's who came to Alaska. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, and, and and I guess Fishbone and Agent Orange came as well. But as far as influence goes, and like where everybody went, I mean that that was my first time hearing about Fugazi was through that show. Like, cause when someone came to town, you went, you know, it, yeah. I also went and saw white zombie, you know, uh, social distortion was one of my first shows. Like, uh, you know, I said, I said all that, I said that we went up there because golden voice brought us. I mean, they were like, you know, they, they helped us facilitate that. Yeah. I remember they did all those shows. My high school, yeah. shitty pop punk band open for bad religion because I called golden voice every day. Yeah. And, yeah. At the Egan who, Center who, where you guys played. Who would you talk to? Would you talk to Paul? Or was it who would who would you call it? Golden Voice. I don't remember. It was so long ago. I would literally call up a, I think it was a girl. I, oh yeah. I would basically just call Golden Voice and uh, a security guard buddy of mine at the Egan Center kind of told me who to who was working the shows. I don't remember the name. But I called. Yeah. We tried to get on with Green Day, and they're like, "Yeah, it's gonna happen." And then they gave it to some other band at the last minute, and then so Bad Religion was coming through, and so I called and called and called, and and I literally had that big brick cell phone in my locker at school, <laughs> thinking I was a badass, waiting for the call from Golden Voice, and it didn't come until I got home. So I'm literally like carrying this phone around all day, and then my mom gets the call, and this That's was cool. we we're literally like seniors in high school, and it was the coolest experience ever, and then. That's what really spawned us. Like we could do this. We could actually do this. Not with this band, but we could do this. And, yeah, uh, you know, for sure. But then, yeah, you guys go to Hawaii and completely influence. You know, someone who's now influencing others with Russian circles and and uh, these arms are snakes. Like Brian's got a huge following for everything he does, but it's from Fugazi going to Hawaii that started yeah. that. You know, and it's so cool to see 
that I mean, I could send you a list after this of the bands that have said 100% I would not play music if it wasn't for Fugazi. Well, oh, that's very sweet. And uh, you know, it's got to it's got to feel great, you know, having that legacy, but I I also want to talk about what you're doing now with film. I mean, you've and you mentioned Eddie Vedder. You did a vi- uh, documentary for Eddie Vedder, correct? With with uh, Yeah, we did we did we we um Christoph, I have a partner, Christoph Green, and we have a, a production company called Trixie uh-huh. Film. Um, and uh, yeah, you can actually look if you look at TrixieFilm.com, you should you could find some of this stuff up there, just uh, snippets of it, anyways. Um, but yeah, we went out. Um, how the hell did it start? Oh, well, we. Yeah, I, well, we did. We did. We, we made a, a a film of his uh, solo acoustic stuff, uh-huh. uh, which is like um, the end of the wild soundtrack stuff. Yes. So he he was going out with mostly a ukulele and playing in front of all these people, and and I was like, you know, you should document this. And so he brought us out for a few shows, and we put it together, and it came out. Uh, it's called Water on the Road. Um, and, you know, we went out, we actually went to Hawaii and hung out with him out there and filmed him doing stuff out there and playing, playing songs up in the mountains and stuff. <laughs> it was a to- it was totally great. I loved it. But, um, the, um, yeah, and some of that you should, yeah, you should check it out at some point. There's some, it's, and there's so much great footage that just didn't make it in that movie. And it ended up, it ended up just being kind of like a live, performance film that I was like really initially meant to be, you know, this sort of grand portrait of Eddie that revolved around his, um, you know, his, uh, dealing with fame and all this stuff. We have <laughs> had this whole other narrative going and then he was like, no, let's just make it a performance. film." <laughs> like, okay. Take the juicy stuff out of it. <laughs> done a lot so we did a lot i also worked on filming some shows for that pj20 movie okay yeah uh, i saw that i saw that on mm-hmm. uh i don't remember it was netflix or what but uh um. yeah it's um i mean mostly we went up and they were shutting the spectrum in philadelphia uh-huh the last band to play the spectrum the spectrum is like in the on the east coast like one of the pillars of like <laughs> Of rock, I mean, like every it was just the, it's just the craziest. You hear the craziest stories that came from the spectrum in terms of like, you know, whipping batteries at the opening band during Aerosmith shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the magical moments. Yes. Philadelphians putting put their music. Um, so we went up there and and did some interviews with some of the people who were shutting that place down, who who had worked there since the 60s and like the first promoters there and stuff. And then we filmed Pearl Jam on two nights um, playing uh, the last bunch of songs. So some of that made it in a couple songs. I think it's how they closed the movie, uh, PJ-20. I can't remember it now. But, um, um, and then we've done a ton with Wilco because I was like, you know, a huge Wilco fan, really yeah. stemming from my love of Nels Klein. Um, he, when he joined the band, actually 
before he joined the band during um, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and, and The Ghost is Born, I started going to see them and saying, wow, these guys are, you know, really doing what I love, which is, you know, smashing up, um, writing good, writing good lyrics, but also like smashing up little, like taking like Americana music and putting a bunch of noise over it. Sure. <laughs> so I, I started to really love them. And then uh, Nels got into it. And then at the time, Christoph and I were doing this series called Burn to Shine, where we would go find a house that was going to be demolished. We'd go into it. We'd bring in 10 bands. We'd film all the 10 bands. And then we'd, um, and then we'd, you know, then we'd film the demolition of the house. And like at the, at the front end, we would like, um, tell the story of the house and and about the person who kind of curated the day and uh, and of the scene a little bit, and then we would pretty much just run the bands through it while focusing some on some of the architecture of the house, and then we would demolish the house. So it, it was it was you know it worked as like a time capsule. It also worked as like uh, you know uh uh uh. uh you know, sort of like a parable about how temporary these amalgamations of bands are, you know, or yeah, people that's are. that's fascinating. Yeah, so we did six of those. Uh, we did one, we did D.C., then we did Chicago. Um, you know, Bob, I we did one in D.C. with like the Evens and, mm-hmm. you know, Russia and Ted Leo and stuff like that. And then we, and then Bob Weston got hold of it. He's like, let's do one up here. And I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, I just, and we just went up there and, so that one, a lot of it's on the internet, but we got uh, shellacked it, and uh, oh, Wilco, yeah. Wilco did it. And so if you if you go on the sh- on the YouTube, I'm sure you can type in. I mean, um, the shellac song is "Steady as She Goes," and uh, if you just type in "Steady as She Goes" and "Burn to Shine," I'm sure that clip is up there. And the same, and the Wilco version is is "Muzzle of Bees." And so that that's up there too, and okay. I'm sure up there. And it's and so I I sent it to Wil, Wilco. You know, it was nice to come, and they all crammed in a room, and we shot it, and it and it looked and it came out really well. I mean, number one, they were amazing at the time. And sure. the, um, so we we sent it to them. And they're like, "Oh, this is great. Will you do this and this and this?" And so we just ended up like I did, like with Eddie, I did a, a live uh, or Christoph, and I did a tour down the. West Coast with uh, Jeff Tweedy. We did his solo acoustic thing down mm-hmm. the West Coast. That came out as a film called Sunken Treasure. And then um, and then they had us do... Then we booked a tour through some of the, like, Kane's Ballroom and the Ryman Theater and some of the, like, you know, some of the great old buildings of the South. Um, and we filmed them and we called that, that's called Ashes of American Flags. And it was just a way to like juxtapose, you know, their Americana thing with, with their manipulation of the form and, and offset them in that way. So that, so that, that did pretty well. And we, we actually took that around to festivals and people, people seem to like that. And then we've done films for like live films for, December is Death Cab for Cutie. I mean, we've done, you know, a few other ones. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, and now, you know, the last few years we've been working on this 
documentary called Deliberation, which is actually not a music documentary. It's about this program here in D.C. that um, teaches uh, ex-felons and and dr- ex-drug addicts how to cook. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so we went in and embedded ourselves in this um, program for three months every day and uh, filmed the, and we came up with a narrative of these uh, three primary characters, um, which basically show like the other side of DC, you know? So, and that's just, uh, we just finished it. I'm actually just submitting it to the festivals starting right now. Wow. That's fascinating. You should, uh, this I'm in my head, I'm picturing doing a burn to shine for the next Foo Fighters, uh, Sonic highways, you know, installation, take them around and do that but do the same band in different cities, in different houses, maybe, or something like that, you know, if, if it's something that's going to continue, but, um, yeah, well, I want to, that's an interesting concept. I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I always would love to do more burn to shine. You know what the biggest pain in the ass of burn to shine was is finding the house that you can demolish. And we, we used to prefer to burn the house. down. <laughs> Come to Portland. Come to Portland. <laughs> I've got entire, I've got entire neighborhoods you, that are available. I don't think they're going to let you motherfuckers have matches anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but Portland, every house, every other house is literally condemned from either being a meth lab or whatever else, or just you know, the, there's entire streets that are now just just lawns. That's it. Really? It's insane. Oh yeah. Insane. Well, we actually did one in Portland. Okay. We did. So you could be. It's a, it's free for all over here. <laughs> We did it out in Tualatin, actually. It was this totally weird house, like a suburb, very suburban house. Oh, yeah, Tualatin, absolutely. Yeah, you, only guy, chain restaurants and, and a couple schools, and that's it. And they were, yeah, it was like out on the, it's like a kind of like a weird, like, McMansion that this guy was going to tear down to build a bigger McMansion. Uh-huh. And it, the whole scene was super weird, but everybody, and we got a ton of great bands out. I mean, Thermal did it. Plater Kenny did it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that that one should be up there too. Oh, the gossip is okay. awesome. And, yeah, um, yeah. There's and oh, the Dece- yeah, the December's the Shins. It's like all those bands did it. So it was, was such a great day. And we were like, we walked in, and the guy was like, "You're gonna wait. You're gonna do what?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> he thought we were playing a benefit for the firefighters in his driveway and i'm like no 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 we're in like we're gonna come in and play in your living room and then we're gonna burn your house (laughs) (laughs) and then luckily his daughter was a big shins fan okay and she's like she's like she's like dad just shut up like let him do it like he's he's like shrugs and walks away and while 70 75 people show up oh my god (laughs) it was really good Anyways, and that one burns real good, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> that, that ending, the ending sequence of, of the house burning down is really awesome. Dude, so, that's hilarious. Yeah. Have you heard, uh, going back to Nils Klein real quick, uh, have you heard Big Walnuts Yonder? No. Okay, so he's in a band with my buddy Mike Watt and Nick Reinhardt from Terramelos called Big Walnuts Yonder. And they oh, are wow. fantastic. Um, they just put out a record that they recorded back in 2015. But you should definitely check it out. It's really interesting. I, I'll check it out for sure. Yeah, it's ring. It rings a bell a little bit. Yeah, I'm actually. I'm actually. Um, well, I'm going to have to go pretty soon. Yeah, but I wanted yeah, yeah. to. I'm going to uh, shamelessly plug my new band. Please do uh, it. Which is 
Um, I, uh, I play with this guy, Anthony Parag, who's like very kind of Nels Klein in a lot of ways and that he's like, in, he's like an insane player, but he's also like just really creative and super into noise and all this stuff. So we have, we're, so he and I, and then Joe Lally is back from Rome. So it's the three of us okay. are playing and we're starting to play out. Um, we played a few times here and we're actually about to finish up our record and it should be out on discord in February. Oh, fantastic. Um, and it's called the Mesthetics. Um, so that's, that'll, and we're actually, we'll, we'll be playing, I guess we're out playing a few shows with Pinback. We'll be up in, uh, uh, um, in a couple of weeks out in Asheville, or in Nashville, Atlanta and North Carolina. I don't know when this is going to air. And then we're going to, then I'm going to be up in, uh, in the New York, up at St. Vitus in New York on, uh, December 5th. Okay. And we're just going to start. So we'll be out on the road in the spring time. Excellent. That, You'll be so. hitting Portland. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see it, man. Definitely hit me up if you're coming this way. And, oh, uh, for sure, yeah. I'm gonna be. Yeah. I've got some videos to check out now. This is gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me know what you think. Um, I will. I'm. Yeah, and um, is there? Yeah, anything? And it's. Oh, and uh, anything? Is there anything else that you? Uh, well, I'll tell you the other two things that I don't know when you're gonna put this out really soon. Uh, it it'll matter. be up in three weeks. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm backing up Daniel Johnson here in D.C. in really? a few weeks. Yeah, and that's going to be kind of amazing. Same band. Yeah. So Joe, Lally, Joe Lally and Anthony Prague, and then Anthony Slice, who's an amazing cellist, Janelle Leppin. Um, so, yeah, we're learning learning the catalog of Dude, Daniel Johnson. Stuff, that's a fascinating cool. catalog. And oh, my God. How cool much do I love on. I love that catalog. So yeah. I love his songs so much. Like they're just so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then I have, I have another duo, Super Silver Haze, with this guy Doug Kalmeyer, and we've been playing around a bunch. And then um, that's about it. Okay. And then scoring stuff. I got a film coming out on Serpico, Frank Serpico, called Serpico, that's coming out in theaters. That I did the soundtrack for on November first. So that'll be. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. That'll be actually. I'm sure that'll play in in Portland. Okay. It's got it's got really good distribution, and uh, so I did that soundtrack, and it's, I'm super happy about that one. Excellent. So I'll keep my that's the majority of the projects I have going on. Okay. Although there's a there's also a Vice special on right now, or a Vice thing called Disarray that I also did the music for. That's on HBO right now. Oh, excellent. Okay, yeah. I can check that out tonight. That's. Mm -hmm. Check that out. All right, that's my. Shit. I'm done shamelessly plugging <laughs> all the shit I'm doing. Man, well, Brandon, dude, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and this has been. I mean, I feel like I gained a lot from this conversation, and I, I'm glad I could bring up the pedal thing to you for Fugazi. Something you haven't heard yet. I'm glad that's that's a win in my book. You know, being you know talked about and interviewed so many times, you know, every which way but Sunday. An original idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that. It got me to think about my own band for a minute. Yeah, there. sit with that and see what happens. But, uh, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, I'll email you all the details and everything else. And uh, um, when everything's coming out and, and all that, I'll put all this stuff in the show notes for people to check out these various projects. And I'll do that myself. And, and uh, have a great day, man. I really appreciate it. My, my pleasure completely. All right, Brendan. Right. Take care, brother. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks.
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brendan Canty from Fugazi. That was a good one. I was so excited about that one and had a great time. It was super early in the morning, but it was absolutely worth it. I'm up that early anyways, but, you know, being able to record mobily really helps uh, to be able to fit interviews in where I can, and and, uh, that one was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we hope to see you back next week for another great episode. Uh, Definitely check us out on purepleasurepodcast.com. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, go to the Patreon right now. Go to patreon.com slash podcast and sign up. Whether it's two bucks a month, whether it's a hundred bucks a month, everything has a has a uh, package with it. And, you know, whether it's just supporting the show or supporting the show and getting some cool shit, definitely check it out. Patreon.com slash podcast. Go check it out right now. I can't wait to hear or to see you guys next week with another new episode. And uh, we got some good stuff coming up, and I'm really excited for you to hear it. So, as usual, we'll see you on the radio. for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.